Pat King, one of the central organizers of the trucking protest, now arrested by police, an arrest that he live-streamed on Facebook. So he, along with uh, Tamara Litch, who was arrested last night, another central organizer in the uh, protest, now charged, and we'll have a hearing with an Ottawa judge. Meantime, there's a court action from those opposing the government and their use of the Emergencies Act. And for more on that, let's welcome in criminal defense lawyer with Abergel Goldstein and Partners, Michael Spratt, joins us now. Michael, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Okay, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association, they have announced that they're going to sue the federal government over the use of the Emergency Act. Just exactly on what basis, Michael, uh, what are they arguing here? Well, they're arguing, and I mean, they're doing the right thing. This is how you uh, engage in responsible advocacy and discourse through proper legal channels in the courts, not not uh, driving uh, your trucks up to to uh, overthrow the government. But what what the Civil Liberties Association is saying is that um, under the Emergencies Act, there are a number of different types of emergencies. Um, and the government has declared a public order emergency. And the, the, the Canadian Civil Liberties Association is saying that the conditions for that public order emergency uh, haven't been met. All right. So, uh, you know, this is going to work its way uh, through the courts here. Is it going to uh, be able to work its way uh, through the courts in a timely fashion, in a timely manner to have any sort of uh, impact? Because, as we know, this situation is uh, now changing and developing uh, rather quickly. That's right. And I mean, there are ways to bring um, emergency court cases. Um, we've seen it actually in relation to this very incident where um, where uh, lawyers have brought injunctions and, and other remedies to freeze assets and done that in a timely way. Um, but timing could be an issue here. Um, this matter is uh, before Parliament, and Parliament can uh, revoke uh, revoke the declaration. That's something that's likely not going to happen, given the support that we've seen in Parliament. Um, but also, the the emergency uh, may well and, and hopefully will be over soon. So this is something that we might be uh, litigating retrospectively, and that that can be a good thing as well because it can bring clarity. Uh, and it can and bring a bit of nuance uh, in case a situation like this ever arises again. Well, I was going to say, so this is not all for naught if it's uh, solved somewhere down the road then, because to your point, bringing some sort of a clarity when it comes to the law and how the uh, courts see the use of the Emergencies Act, because obviously those that are opposed to this are quite concerned that this is, quote unquote, normalizing the use of the Emergencies Act. Yeah, I don't know if I necessarily share that concern. Um, this is the first time it's been used uh, in decades and decades, so I don't know if it can be said to, to normalize it. But um, Parliament can sometimes be um, a little broad and vague when they draft laws. For for example, the declaration of uh, public order emergency. The, the public order emergency is defined as um, a threat to the security of Canada that's so serious as to be a national emergency. Now, there's a lot of there's a lot of shading to be done there, um, so it's not the most precise definition. And sometimes, when parliaments aren't very precise, um, we the courts can step in to to balance some of those rights and provide some clarity. 
Okay, if the court does step in, and this is kind of interesting, as you mentioned a second ago, it's not likely to be defeated by the uh, House. They're, uh, well, debating it as we speak, although it was suspended today over security concerns. But if the uh, liberal minorities with the backing of the NDP get the Emergencies Act passed as predicted, and then the courts rule against it, uh, who rules the day here? Is it the House of Commons or would it be the court? Well, I mean, this is a debate that we have when it comes to, to so so many things at the intersection of sort of law and politics with courts, you know, striking down criminal justice legislation or ruling on important human rights uh, cases. I mean, it was the courts that really pushed forward marriage equality, for example, um, and Parliament acted very late on that. So, I mean, this is a dialogue that we see between um, Parliament and the courts. Um, we have to look at some fundamental and overarching freedoms in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms, and Parliament doesn't have impunity um, to to govern as it, as it wishes. They put handcuffs on them on themselves through enacting some of these very important civil rights. But ultimately, at the end of the day, um, Parliament, if it doesn't like a court's decision, um, can redraft laws, be more specific, and and you know. No, they don't even need to go sort of the, the nuclear option to, to, um, to you know, in some cases use things like the notwithstanding clause, but they can often address concerns that the courts have uh, when courts have been critical of their laws. So this is all part of the normal dialogue between, uh, between uh, the courts and parliament. Joined by lawyer Michael Spratt. Michael, also wanted to ask you another lawsuit in Ottawa. A citizens group has won a court-ordered freeze of the convoy protesters' uh, bank accounts and uh, cryptocurrency in what is being called an extraordinary hearing. What more can you tell us about this lawsuit? Well, the first thing that, that I'll have to tell you about it, and, and uh, I didn't talk to your producer about it, but uh, my, my spouse is actually one of the lawyers involved in that litigation, um, so uh, it's it's good to put that on the record. But Appreciate that clarity. Yes. Yeah. It's um, and and I'll try to be as dispassionate as as I can. But this is very important. Uh, this is a very important decision. Um, these um, Mareva injunctions that that freeze international assets and and um, really lock down funds of of um, groups who are, are committing bad acts uh, are important. Uh, money often rules the day. And in this case, um, we're dealing with cryptocurrency, with Bitcoin, with with the digital transactions. And um, an order like this, as it relates to those things, is um, at the leading edge of, of how we deal with some of these financial and monetary crimes. Without a doubt. Unfortunately, i got to leave it there uh, for now. But Michael, I really appreciate the time with us on this Friday and have a good long weekend. No problem. Anytime. All right. Michael Spratt is a criminal defense lawyer. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.